Boy, all kinds of people say they saw me, saw me. Well, I look at I look at myself in the mirror and I see me too sometimes. And you know when I look at myself in the mirror, you know what I say? And that's a good looking man. God made a good creation. Amen. You know, I, I and I don't care that I'm in that 50 and over club, you know. I just get just like wine, you know. I just get better with time. You know? God calls it wisdom, right? Yeah, so I have a I'm getting to have a lot beginning to have a lot of wisdom. Glory to God. Um, you know, summer has wound down. You know, people, uh, some people are still kind of working their way back into the, their situations, working their way back from vacations, and uh, school is back uh, into session, and, and people are getting back into some routines. And uh, so during these months, a lot of times, things are slow. You know, things, things start, you know, they've decreased in churches and different places, and churches start picking up again around September, October, churches start really booming. Again, because people start thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot i got to go back to church or something like that. But, you know, what happens during these times is, is people start um, disconnecting, not just with church, but they kind of disconnect with God. It's not that they're not born again or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. It's just they don't have that connection with, with people of like faith. And, and so, you know, they get busy doing other things. And, and so I think this is a good time for a series right now that I want to I start helping people get reconnected with God. What I want people to do is start having a face-to-face with God. Last week, what I said was this week what we're going to do is we're going to start 21 days of prayer. Oh, my gosh, 21 days. Yeah, and you know what? If you only want to pray like 30 seconds, that's fine. You know, but pray 21 days, okay? Um, I'm going to come here between 9 and 10, and I'm going to pray for an hour uh, starting tomorrow. I'm going to come in, and Monday through Friday, I'll be here from 9 to 10, and, and I'll be praying right here, and there's going to be certain things that we want to pray for. The first thing I want you to pray for, write this down. I want you to pray for your family. That's the first thing I want you, before you pray for the church, before you pray for the country, before you pray for anything else, I want you to pray for your family. I want you to pray for protection and blessing in your household. I want you to pray that your family becomes stronger and closer to God. I want you to thank God for the health that he's provided for you and your family. I want, to thank, I want you to thank God for leading you, if you're in debt, leading you out of debt. See, God doesn't want you in debt. He doesn't want something else to control you or to control finances in your life. He wants you to take control of that. The second thing I want you to pray for is I want you to pray for the local church and the church in general, but the church. And this is what I want you to pray about that is I want you to pray as we grow that we'll sustain growth. I want you to pray for more people to catch the vision and to join the team that we have. People say, well, what's the vision? Okay, I'll, let me throw it out there real fast. Grow, we're, we're here called Thrive. Grow, develop, succeed. I mean, those are three easy words. We're growing a kingdom in a church. We're dis- developing, which is discipleship. We're developing character, and we're developing our knowledge of the word. And then we go out and we do what God's called us to do, and that causes us to succeed. Grow, develop, succeed. Don't just survive, thrive. And that's, that's what we're about. 
The next thing that I want you to do is I want you to pray for our government. Our government needs a lot of prayer. It has gone downhill for, for a long time. You can't just blame one or two people. It's, you just take a look at the country. And, and really, the reason why the country's gone downhill for a long time is because we're allowing our, our faith in God to, to deplete, to be gone. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about faith in God, in, in a true God. And that's what we need, is we need, that to, we need God to change our land. I want to pray for the law enforcement officers, the military, EMS, all that stuff. And, you know, I, and people, you know, they're going out and they're, they're shooting cops now. That's crazy. Well, you know, there was a cop out there. They did some shoot. Look, that cop needs to go to jail if he did something wrong. We, ha we have laws, and, and it, we need to obey those laws, and we need to go by the laws of the land. That's just bottom line. And then the last thing, I want you to pray for our missionaries. Missionaries that we have here and the missionaries that we're sending out all over the world, you know, we want to pray for their families, their protection, their health, their finances, and their success in the gospel. I want you to pick a time every day, and I want you to, to marry that time, whether it's time that you get up in the morning and say, okay, this is my time, this is my slot. I'm going to slot. Like I said, it, it doesn't have to be like an hour. It doesn't have to be two hours, anything like that. But pick a time and say, look, from this time to this time, I'm just going to lift this, these things up to you. God, uh, right now I'm lifting up my family to you. And uh, you know, I'm God, I'm lifting up the government to you and my local church to you. I mean, if you just go through all those things right there and say, God, I thank you for the, your protection and the success and, and these things I've lifted up to you, amen, and you get done in 20 seconds, great. Just connect your heart with your mouth and trust God. Now, if you decide that, man, you just really want to pray and intercede and get a little bit deeper, then go for it. But pick a time every day that we do it. And you, what you're going to do is you're going to start encountering God in, a, in an amazing way. Anybody ever have a car and their battery go dead? And you had to get a little jump start? Well, see, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get a little jump start. Because most of our batteries, are, we're running on empty. We're running dead. So let's go to right now to Exodus chapter uh, 33 and verse 11. It says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Having a face to face in church is extremely important. Christians need to have a face-to-face -face with God. We need to have an encounter with God. We need to have an experience with God because, because until we have a face-to-face, -face, we're not going to have an intimate walk with God. Amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16 in the Message Bible, it says, Whenever though they, and they is the church, uh, turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and they were all face to face. And the thing of it is, is when you start getting close to God, all, you know, and you're going out and reaching out after God, all of a sudden you'll have a face to face. You'll have an encounter with God, but you have to do something. As a matter of fact, James 4 says, if you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. And then some people say, well, why doesn't he draw near first? He did 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. He drew near to all mankind. As a matter of fact, he drew near the day he said, and blew life into Adam. He drew near to mankind at that point. So he drew near in the beginning, he drew near in the middle, and he's going to draw near in the end. Amen? So he removes, it says the veil, that veil, it's gone, it's been removed. So he removes the veil, whatever's been blocking, stop, stopping you from, from getting there. Then it goes, they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence 
not a chiseled uh, or not a piece of chiseled stone. So that means God's not a storybook, and He's not in a storybook. He's not a picture on the wall. He's not that little thing that's hanging uh, from around your neck. God is a real personal being. He's alive. He wants to communicate. He wants to commune with each and every one of us. He doesn't just want to commune with the pastor. He wants to commune with you personally. He wants a relationship with each and every one of us. Then it goes on to say, and when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. So when you have a face-to-face with God, then reading the Bible and fellowshipping with God and and even tithing, all that stuff doesn't become legalistic. You kind of want to do it instead of feel like you have to do it. You ever been like, man, I really don't want to read the Bible? I mean, let's just be real. You don't have to raise your hand, but let's just be real. I mean, I'll raise my hand. And how, long, how often does that happen? Sometimes every day. Well, when does it happen every day? When I'm in a slump. When I just don't have that connection, when, when, when things are just not where they need to be, and, and, and my focus is not where it needs to be because I'm so focused on everything else, then all of a sudden, you know, it's hard for me to read the Bible. But then what happens is when I just go ahead and, and I, and I per- persevere through these things, and I start going after God with everything I have on the inside, then all of a sudden, I can't put the Bible down. And the time flies. And see, so sometimes we're going to have these, these veils, these barriers, but when we encounter God, the barriers removed, all this stuff is gone, and we start wanting to, to do this. And the reason why it starts happening, because all of a sudden, we really want a relationship with him. Then he goes on to say this. He says, we're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. He's saying when we start having a face-to-face with God, it's going to start changing you, and you're going to start being more like him. That's where you become more like him, is encounters with him. You know, when you hang out with people, you start becoming like people. You know, you've heard the old saying, birds of a feather flock together. That, that really is a true saying. You hang out with, with a group of people, you're going to be like that group. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to change that group. No, that group's going to change you. Um, you. You see this? That's gravity. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't matter. It's water. Um, that's gravity. And, and what happens is you go to the lowest point. And in a relationship, what will happen is you'll go to the lowest point. Gravity, it'll, it'll pull you down. It's harder to pick something up than it, than it is just to go ahead and drop and fall to the ground. And that's what happens. As we start hanging out with people and, and stuff like that, and, and it's not you, you can't hang out with people. It's just be careful because you'll start going to a point that you don't want to be at. You know, I remember it was years ago. I gave my life to Christ, and... Uh, I don't know what time it was. It was probably maybe the fourth time. I don't know. I gave my life to Christ so many times. Finally, it stuck one time. time. And so uh, I got into my closet because the Bible says to get in your closet and pray. And, you know, I got all my stinky shoes in there and everything. And and so I'm in there, and I'm I'm praying. And and I got this great idea to go save my friends. Duh, wrong idea. You know, I figured, well, I wanted to keep my same friends. You know, I'm I'm rolling into a different crew now, and I want to keep my same friends. You can't do that. You know, they're all passing joints around. They're all, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 you know, I'm talking about Jesus. 
Well, you know how Jesus rose on the third day? I, I fell. <laughs> because God didn't tell me to do that. What I needed to do first is I needed to have a relationship with him first. I needed to encounter him first and allow his encounters to change my life. Do you realize 25 years later, those friends of mine that used to be friends of mine that I haven't really been in contact with, they found me on Facebook and, and we're friends again. And they're impressed. Well, not all of them. There was one girl that hadn't seen me since I was 17, and she wrote on a Facebook account of another friend of mine and said, I don't believe even God can save Rick Becker. <laughs> Evidently, I was a pretty bad teenager. But the thing of it is, is this, is, is God didn't tell me to go do that. What God told me to do is, is, number one, make him my father. Get in that family. Get in that relationship with it. And allow that relationship to make me become more like him. It goes on to say, and so we are transfigured with, uh, transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And that's our goal is to be more like God. So what I want to entitle today's message is Close Encounters of the God Kind. Because that's what we want, is we want, we want the God kind of encounters. And you know what? It, it's easy to, to hear somebody talk about God, and, but it's hard to identify their, their walk. Because if you haven't walked with God and you haven't had those encounters, you hear these great stories and they sound so cool, but, but really you have no connection. It's, it's just like when I went to Greece. And I was ministering out there in Bulgaria and Greece and things like that. It's easy for me to talk about all these things that happened there, but you guys weren't there. You, you, you remember the story of the fish and the loaves? Not the fishes, but the fish and the loaves. Remember that story, the kids' lunch? Well, see, we had that happen in, in Sofia, Bulgaria. I was, I was going out there to minister, and it was, it was so crazy. I've never been in a situation like this, but... I was driving down and, you know, I was in the back seat because they were driving me around. And I had my picture on billboards. I was like, man, that is pretty cool. I should have taken pictures of it. But I was kind of nervous to take any pictures of anything because I'd never been there before. And there's guys, I mean, like the Turkish Mafia controls the place. It's crazy. So anyway, we get to this, we get this like, huge arena, Coliseum. And we minister and everything's going awesome and had a great crusade. And, and I saw these guys. I mean, they looked to be like Andre the Giant. They looked like 100 feet tall, and they, but they had all these dark leather trench coats, and, and they were just scary guys. Well, I didn't think too much of it. Next day, I go and I minister at, the, uh, at this church. A friend of mine ministers at another church. We end up in this restaurant. Well, we get into this restaurant, and I look and I see my friend arguing with my interpreter. And my interpreter, her uh, dad was the pastor of the church that invited us out. And Kevin goes, Rick, he said, come on over here. So I said, yeah. He, goes, he said, how much money was in the pouch? And so I told him, you know, I don't remember, you know, the exact amount right now, but I told him the amount. That was the same amount that was still in the pouch. Now, this was the thing. The interpreter gave that money to the people to pay off the Turkish mafia and the crusade place so we didn't lose a dime. It was the exact same amount. So we had a fish and loaves story. I mean, it was really, really cool. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that since. I mean, and I wasn't looking for it, but I was like, oh, my goodness. 
These guys are either, there's a hidden camera here somewhere, or, or God just did something, right? So anyway, the pastors are arguing, and they're speaking Bulgarian. The only thing I know in Bulgarian is Slava Naboga. means praise the Lord. So I walk in, Slava Naboga, you know, and they're all, you know. So it wasn't a good meeting. So all of a sudden, the pastor, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of pastors there with different churches represented. They were mad because of the prosperity message because we didn't lose money. First of all, we didn't talk about money. Ever. Second of all, between our churches that we had in the United States, we gave them $80,000 to build a church. Third of all, when you go to a third world country, a minister doesn't take up an offering. They expect the minister to give money to the churches. It's a totally different concept. Why do you think that we raise money for, for missionaries? Because we are 96% of the money that goes into the world. Crazy. But we had a God encounter. When I got home, at the time I was pastoring a church in Arkansas, and I told that story, man, that church, wow, woo, woo. I was like, thank God I'm home. You know? Because people were excited that they saw God, and, the, and, and there was an encounter with God and stuff like that, because they were hungering and thirsting for the presence of God. And I'll tell you, that church totally turned around. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Well, I received a phone call. It was on uh, Tuesday, I guess it was. Or, no, it was, yeah, it was Tuesday from a church member. And they had an encounter with God. And we had talked about different things over some time that, that you know, we, we've talked. And we talked about uh, uh, tongues and spiritual gifts and just different things that people have a hard time with in the Bible. And we, we've, you know, not really intense, in-depth or anything like that, but just casually. Well, I could tell there was something different about this person. They were so on fire. And I finally said, I said, are you speaking in tongues? They said, yeah. And this is what they told me. They said, I sense God. I sense his presence in such a strong way. I haven't stopped smiling. He filled me with joy. To me, that's real. Just babbling to show that you think you know something is not. I believe in the whole Bible. I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I just don't think he's weird. Okay? So if you want to know if I believe in the Holy Spirit and the giftings, I do. I don't think it's of the devil. There's no place in the Bible that says look out for false this besides false prophets and false teachers. And that's what you have to look out for. I don't go around pushing stuff because I just don't think it's right. I, my, my position as a pastor is to teach the Word of God and your position as someone to receive that word is to check it out to make sure it's true. And if you're not checking it out to make sure it's true, I'm sorry, I love you, but shame on you. you because when you get before God, you're not going to be able to say, well, you know Rick said. Because <laughs> the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. 
you know, Mamma taught me, Papa taught me. You know, study to show yourself approved. A worker not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why I try to give you these handouts and these scriptures. I want you to go over, and when you, when you read it, you know, and I only give you little bits and pieces, I want you to read it in context. And the way I was taught how to read in context, go back to the beginning of where this uh, speech was talking about. Some people go a couple verses up, a couple verses down. No, I want to go to the beginning of the story where, we're ta- where, where the person is actually talking, and I want to get the whole gist of it. I want to understand what's going on. Because if you do that, then you're not going to go astray on all these different areas and go in a lot of different directions because so many people do that. Amen? All right. I've been to two Bible colleges and one cemetery, or seminary, some people call it. And really, you know, and I taught at cemetery. I taught a doctorate program. And, you know... You, you, go, you go, well, hey, man, you're a really, really smart fellow. Well, what I learned was I learned a whole lot of bad stuff. <laughs> I learned a whole lot of people's opinions and a whole lot of thought and uh, stuff that they put in. Even, even when you read, I'll give you an example, even if you read the Vines, the Vines has so much commentary in it. It's a, somebody's opinion based upon the doctrine that they've been taught. I've ran into some people that are a whole lot smarter than I am, that only have a high school diploma, and have never been to a Bible college or a seminary, but the Holy Spirit has revealed to them the Word. What, did they, what was different? They had an encounter with God. See, an encounter with God, when God opens up your eyes, because, you know, the Bible says that the Word of God, the words itself, cannot be intellectually understood. They have to be spiritually understood. Now, I'm not knocking Bible college because I went. I mean, it really helped me out in a lot of different areas. But, I mean, we have had this false uh, thought pattern about, you know, you need to do this to do that. You have to have this degree and that degree and this. Well, well what about, you know, throw somebody out there. There's a lot of people out there that had no degrees. What about Peter? What Bible college does Peter go to? He was uneducated. As a matter of fact, when you look it up, he was ignorant. That's what the Bible says. So he's ignorant. He's an ignorant, unlearned man. But because he had an encounter with Jesus, and he spent time with Jesus, all of a sudden he sounded like he had wisdom. Because he did. He had God's wisdom. He had wisdom and revelation knowledge. In the knowledge of him, the eyes of his understanding was enlightened. That's why Paul was able to pray that prayer in Ephesians. The first thing that I want to get, this is your first point here, is we need power, not just words. There's so many words that people have, but why do we need powers and not words? Because there's some things that you're facing that words can't fix. Some people in here need a miracle right now. And me just saying, oh, brother, I'll be praying for you, is not going to work. They need a hamburger. Not just words. They, They need an arm. Not just words. We have a lady here who can't see, who's legally blind. She doesn't just need, oh, I love you, sister. She does need that, but what she needs is she needs her eyesight back. She needs an encounter with God because man can't do that. Only God can. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 3, it says, I came to you in weakness and fear, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. So, so Paul, who was probably the most educated of all the apostles, he was probably one of the, mo one of the most, if not the most educated man in the Bible. He came up in the greatest Bible college. And what happened was, the Apostle Paul, he could have persuaded people with words, but he said he didn't come up that way. He didn't roll that way. He said, he kept, keeps on going, it says, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom. In other words, it doesn't rest on a preacher, a teacher, or a Bible college, or anything like that. It rests upon God and God alone. And it says, but on God's power. See, this is one of the biggest problems that I see in church in the United States as we become an entertainment industry. I don't believe in hellfire and brimstone messages. I don't believe people need to, need to oh, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You don't need to scare them there. You need to love them out. We don't need to entertain. Look, look, look let me tell you this. I'm around people who sin all the time. And just because I don't, like what they do doesn't mean I don't love them. Listen, there's things that I do that I'm sure somebody else would be like, oh man, I can't believe it, he's a preacher. Listen, I'm walking the same earth, living the same life, dealing with the same issues and the same problems and the same things, but you know what, when I came to the realization that I can separate what a person does from who they are, it changed me. And it changed the focus and it changed the realm of the people who I can talk to. Because when I started putting what people do and, and putting it with who they are, then all of a sudden I'm pushing them away and I can't talk to them. I can't live my life before them because I'm just a hypocritical, judgmental idiot. And that's not what I am. I love God. I love people. I love people so much, and, and, and people say, well, you know, that's that, that's that feel-good type message. Let me tell you what, it says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. It doesn't say the hellfire brimstone messages lead to It doesn't say that. Show people the love of God and give them the love of God, the, the, the true love. Of, well, you know what love, the love of God is? It's, it's the same as the grace of God. What it is, it's, it's unconditional love with no strings attached. When he was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And before that, when he said this, he said, he, he, forgive them, God, for they know not what they do. He, there was an unconditional love. No strings attached. See, that's what we have to have, and that's what we have to show people. The next thing is we need an, we need an encounter and not an explanation. See, I'll tell you what, Jesus did some really, really, he had some, some really, really cool messages, but really, the stuff he did was much, much cooler. Lazarus! Guys coming out. I mean, I'm just imagining what happened. You know, the, 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 the stuff he was wrapped in is just falling off, and he's just coming out. You know, I mean, I think Lazarus got a little Pentecostal that day. You know, I mean, I'd be pretty excited. Whoa, hey, Jesus, what's up, my brother? Woo! Man, you know, I mean, it was the stuff that he did that brought people. 
Before he even ministered the word to him, he said, you know what, these guys are hungry. Let's feed them. He didn't say, well, you know what, in order for me to feed you, you've got to listen to uh, three points and, uh, and come up to the altar and, and snot it. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, let's feed them. He had compassion for them. And while he had compassion for them, then he started loving on them and sharing with him the Father. You know, I'll be honest with you, that's the biggest problem in church. People don't know the Father. They don't. They, they know about God, but they don't know God. That's why we need to have an encounter. John, I'm, I'm not going to get through this today, I don't think. John 9, 17 and, verse 20, and also verse 25, it says, Finally, they again, or they turned again to the blind man. What did you say about him? See, what they wanted is, they wanted this, this guy to say, I want you to t tell us about this guy, Jesus, who he is, what he did, and all these things because he did this miracle, this guy, right? So what they wanted to do is they wanted to argue with him why he's not the Messiah. So they would try to come up, they were trying to get him to, to argue. So then he replied this. He said, whether he's a sinner or not, he goes, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You know? Hey, look, I'll tell you what. Rick, how come this happens? Look, I don't know. My life once was messed up, and now it's all right. You know, I can't explain how it, how it all happened. I don't know all the, the, the stuff in between, but I know that all I have to do is trust God and get close to God, and my life gets better. This one thing I do know. Everything else? So what? I'll, I'll tell you, like AA. AA does not work. Well, wait a minute, I was on AA for 50 years. Yeah, but you're still going to meetings. So it didn't work. See, the thing of it is, is, if you have to still continue a meeting, then it never worked. Because, see, when God sets you free, you don't have to go to some meeting or some place to do. What you do is you keep connecting with God. And the thing is, is you don't struggle with, oh, I want to do this, I don't know. Because I'll tell you what grace is. Grace is the power to live above sin. Grace is not to give you the license to sin. Grace is the power to live above it. It's God's divine ability working in you and through you to give you ability that you cannot do in your own ability. And so what that means is this. If I was an alcoholic and I was some drunk, it means this. It means now that I ha I'm living by grace and grace is in my life in that area because you can have grace in one area and not in another, and I have God's ability in my life, now it disgusts me to see alcohol because that's grace. Because if I'm struggling with it, oh, I better go to an AA meeting. You didn't get delivered. You got a new addiction. AA meeting. And I'll tell you, now I'm not bashing AA because, you know, it has helped some people stay off some stuff, but I'm just telling you there's something greater than AA. It's God. He's so much better. We need to get to know God. This was None of this was in my message. Anyway, next point. We need presence, not just practice. In other words, we don't need to, I believe God is a God of order, but, but we don't just need to get caught up in such a routine, oh yeah, well, you know, he's going to do this, he's going to say this. It kind of reminds me of when I was Catholic. Sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand. So we need, we need presence. We need to have an encounter. 